Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing, killing me. me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And this is the first episode that is curated by Luminato Festival. We're so excited to be doing a partnership with them. Super pumped. Um, they open on Friday. And everybody go buy their tickets and use our code GALPAL15 for 15% off all tickets. This doesn't include House of Mirrors or Masquerade, but there's lots of very great shows that you should go and see. Lots of cool shows, lots of talkbacks, lots of panel discussions, short films. It'll be three weeks of really great art. Yeah. Um, today we have Bobby Beckett on who worked with the team Monday nights, which runs June 6th to 16th an interactive basketball theater experience that explores how a simple game can help each of us find ourselves and our community. And thank you to Bobby for being on. Bobby was the best. Bobby is the best. <laughs> Here we go. How long have you worked for Luminato? New. Uh, this is a new contract for me. Oh, so uh, cool. only as of maybe March this year, I think, would have been my start date. Mid-March. I'm brought in for just a particular project, the one I'm working on now, right. currently. But who knows? Yes. Yeah. And that project is Monday nights? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Um, so yeah, uh, Monday nights is the show that I'm working on right. for Luminato, and that was what I was brought in to do specifically. Um, there's a whole creative team. That show already existed, mm-hmm. so this is a variation of the original uh, production and mount, and this is in a found space, which is how I got involved. So I'm the producer of the venue, mm. um, and the creation of the conversion of this warehouse into a theater space for this particular show. Right. We were told that's kind of like your thing. It is. Is you take not theater spaces and turn them into theaters. So not just theater. Actually, this is one of the first large theater productions I've worked on. I come out of mostly a festival background. And yes, found space is what I do. Um, Sort of uh, outdoor spaces, unconventional spaces, Mm -hmm. public space, uh, all of those types. Or things even like large galleries, things that we wouldn't traditionally consider spaces for festivals, activations. Um, artist-driven work, all kinds of stuff. Uh, theater, however, is not my forte. So this is kind of a... It's in my wheelhouse, but as I said, the production already existed, the creation of that physical thing, that theater show and the way it looks and the way it all plays out, that's on the theater center, who is our co-producers mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's my job to turn this site into to spec to their wants and needs and try to use the space um, as a creative tool to help sort of push what they want to do, but also simply build what they need. Right. That makes sense. It's a really complicated process, right? So what are the first steps that you go about? Well, it depends. Every project has its its thing, but in found space specifically, it it usually starts with a, well, obviously, what do you want to do? That's a creative (laughs) question, right? (laughs) Curators and creatives always have wild ideas, as do artists in many ways, and that's what they're here to do. Um, So it's to hear all of that, right? Mm -hmm. What is the wildest, dreamiest way that you would see this going down? You ask them, like, what is their ultimate goal? Ultimate wildest thing. If they had no budget, if they... Let's let's talk talk about this. this. Like, how did you see this in your mind? Like, what was your actual wants and way that you saw this going out to the public and then we kind of look at or I look at or the team looks at um, where we are so what spaces could be available spaces aren't always um, right off the bat obvious you have to find them right so depending on the the project or the artist um, you have to figure out where that's going to work 
And then it's working backwards. So once you find that, it's like the space, and then what do we do to the space? And then we go back to the artist again and try to see if we can... Okay, well, remember when you said you want to be dropped in by helicopter? <laughs> Not possible, because there's tall buildings around, but if we change the venue to something like... Right? You can go back to those things if it's like helicopters are necessary. I'm like, okay, that's a hard line. We must now find a site for a helicopter drop. Now, I know it sounds kind of kooky, but some of the limitations and some of the asks I've had have been like that. And you're kind of like, okay, how do we do this? So it becomes a question of logistics after that and suitability. So where do we do this? And how much money do we have to make all your dreams come true somewhere? They're going to cross over with each other. And that's that's where we do the party right there. X marks the spot to apply for. Well, that's a whole other sort of like secondary (laughs) divergence line that runs out of the X that turns into a spider web somewhere to the left of my giant (laughs) mapping board and critical path. Right. Um, It's, it's just got to start somewhere. And that's the start. When you get that X, then you can kind of start working away at what do we need to get to that point? And what do we need to continue to make sure this keeps going on time? And in the budget we talked about. Right, right. And all the other things that you got to jump through. The flaming hoops is what I like to call them. (laughs) It's generally hoops, and then you see how many of them get lit on fire closer to the run of show you get. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's more exciting, right? Yeah. On fire. (laughs) Um, Where is Monday Nights happening then? So it's a found space, a warehouse space in the mm-hmm. Portlands. Uh, so down at like Lakeshore and Queens Key, wow. where like Parliament, Lakeshore, Queens Key all become one final road at the old silos. Oh, yeah, there, there's yeah. the really cool old silos that have been there on the waterfront and the Red Pass Sugar Factory. So we're oh, kind of yes. smack dab okay. in between those two landmarks right on Lakeshore. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting kind of space to be inhabiting because it's in this process of being like industrial roughage and possibly Toronto's new Portlands and sort of waterfront rebuild in the future. Right. There's a lot of future conversations about this, this mm. sort of area we're in, but there's a lot of like nothing happening around there right now at all. So how are you getting, how are you making it accessible for people to get there easily? And how are you showcasing that that's where it is? So the big sell for us was it's a found space, right? right. So a lot of, I think, what I saw Luminato going after is this idea that it's unusual, right? right. It's an adventure. You got to kind of get there. Um, that's a part of some of that, that show fun. But there is the reality is like, okay, how do people get here? So we have two main TTC stops that we've managed to sort of source, got their bus schedules on lock. <laughs> we've got a bunch of wayfaring signage that we're, we're doing, including humans, not just like signage, but human signage. Mm. Uh, and working on some other big signage projects for this as well that I can't really talk about right now because I haven't been given the full approval to go ahead. But <laughs> okay, yeah. if it all works out, and I should know by the end of the day today, um, we're going to do something pretty cool that's going to engage with the community as well and sort of uh, get this project living in this environment in which it is, as I said, in the middle of what really feels like nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Uber's super efficient. I found that out. Um, they like to come within two minutes, and they have no problems finding our address or destination. Right. So it's kind of like there's some ups to that. It's directly on the bike path. So if you're a bike path uh, sort of user, the east-west uh, Martin Goodman Trail, just Right. Just, just get on it, and you will eventually end up directly at our front door. Wow. Is there a place to park your bike? So, sort of. Um, <laughs> but our neighbors, actually, are Google Sidewalk Labs. That's their test facility now, oh. is the warehouse beside us. And they have a bunch of really cool sort of... Uh, build and uh, furniture and outdoor sort of area that does have some bike parking and some uh, sort of sense of, again, trying to activate the community a little bit. So it's kind of interesting 
in that regard too, that they're yeah. there trying to, you know, try some stuff out and see what this, this area needs and how to develop in the future. Besides like getting to the venue, is it accessible? In, in the venue? venue? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the yeah. venue is fully accessible. Uh, that's a big part of the work uh, in converting a space that I do. Yeah. Um, barrier free is a big part mm-hmm. of the sort of overall work way I like to mm-hmm. work towards. Mm-hmm. Spaces have limitations, but if we can mitigate any of those by, you know, pragmatically discussing this and ensuring that we are putting that as a, a value in our work. Totally. Um, sorry, guys, that's going to keep happening. Email one. Email <laughs> one Well, on the clock. Yeah, we're, we're going to be counting these during this, this time frame. <laughs> Wait. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's something you have to have that in your forefront of mm-hmm. your planning process. And mm-hmm. if it's not there and absent, everything feels like a... Can't a, be an afterthought. Yeah, it yeah. feels like a, oh, hindsight. Oh, we should have done that. And it's like, then it feels like you clearly don't care and that right. you're not putting the effort into it and that it's truly not barrier free because you had to be told by someone that something wasn't accessible. Right. So in the terms of uh, freedom and mobility accessibility, we are fully accessible. Mm-hmm. I think we actually have more seating, uh, accessible seating uh, for mobility devices uh, than any show that Luminato has because in our show, our stage is actually a basketball court. Right. Mm-hmm. And our seats courtside are all seating that can be removed for any type of seating. So all of our courtside seats directly on court are all accessible technically. Wow. So we can just remove seats, which are just simple fold-up uh, chairs that are part right. of our, our sort of tiered mm-hmm. seating system. You just pop them out, and there's no question about like how many people can take up those seats. I think we have approximately, we're going to do the layout today, but it looks like about 25 to 30 seats at any show will be available for accessible for mobility devices. We are planning a massive undertaking. It's been many, many weeks in the work. An ASL show, which is happening on mm. Sunday, June the 9th, as our matinee at 1 p.m. Great. Um, it's going to take a bunch of people. We have an ambitious plan here, which would be nine interpreters. I know, it's a lot, because this show has um, four teams. Right. It's how you're broken down in the audience structure. Okay, oh, cool. And cool. you have a captain who you are with that captain. You <laughs> you select a captain. You don't know for what quite yet, but you're sitting in their team. You yeah. must cheer them on. You're a part of that show. So if there are four teams, we were like, well, that would be four interpreters. But then keeping things barrier-free and accessible, we wanted deaf interpreters. Mm-hmm. So each deaf interpreter requires a hearing interpreter to interpret to them. So it's two interpreters to each team, and then there's a referee who speaks all over and over all mic to the audience who would have their own interpreter. Wow. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> there you yeah, go. I'm just there's making some... my stress face, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How um, do you go about finding interpreters, and because this is on your forefront, what kind of things do you look for? I'm very thankful, and I'm also super happy to work for an organization like Luminato that puts this at their Mm -hmm. importance value, that there is a human individual in our office, Kathy, who is responsible for uh, accessibility for all shows across Luminato. Wow. Okay. So her job um, is essentially to try to develop shows and each show to its best of its abilities to accessibility of all kinds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Monday Nights in particular is a heavily complicated show, so she's been more involved with this sort of process, trying to make this one 
soon as you make anything like immersive or interactive, it's going to be more complicated, right? And we knew that from the get-go, yeah. but I think the ambition level was here from all of us and the want to want to do right. this mm -hmm. and to have the tools and a human resource in our own office whose job and deliverables are to make things accessible, then we're already on the path to making this work. Right. So, so getting interpreters is hard. That's not a Luminato problem. That is a like, you know, hearing impaired community problem. There's not enough deaf interpreters and hearing interpreters that work with deaf interpreters so that we can have those types of pairs mm, yeah. in right. any show. And I deal with a, struggling to find this all the time uh, for other shows that I've done for other festivals. I can't remember if it was Generator or I saw this like pamphlet brochure talking about interpreters and like how many were needed per number of cast members per right. audience members. And I was just like, remember reading this brochure and I was like, wow. It was like, it took me by surprise. Sorely lacking. And is yeah. that just because funding's lacking to those programs or do we know what it is? I don't know. I, I, I'm not deeply immersed enough with inside the community. Yeah. I'm just seriously aware of the lack of and the right. frustration of those individuals who work with inside that industry mm -hmm. who are also saying, we can't hire enough people for these types of agencies that I'm aware of. There's a few of them and they're like, you know, let me know if you find a like <laughs> queer, black, like, you know, person of color, deaf interpreter. If there is one, you tell me. Yeah. And this is like, you know, and the guy who has an agency. And mm -hmm. I'm like, because yeah. I, I, it was another request for something else uh, that's not Luminato. And this came up recently and I was just kind of like, wow, wow, it's that. It's that lacking for specifics and then also then diversity, right? right. There's mm -hmm. a huge kind of sort of intersection of problems there too that we don't have enough like people of color interpreters that are representing the community, queer interpreters that, you know, all right. the way down right. the line. So mm -hmm. it's a bigger problem and one that I'm not qualified to speak about right. where it falls down in their systems of accessibility and how that's funded by the government or where that right. goes, but mm -hmm. something's got to give soon. Accessibility across the board needs to be addressed again. We're right. at what 2020. We were supposed to be barrier free as a city. I thought that. Was, I think that's where we were. Our goal was as a city. I may be wrong about that, but I'm feeling like that was what the the discussion was back when things were progressive and working towards. <laughs> I don't know. Barrier nice free. things yeah. like. Yeah. I'm not sure where that stands right now with our current climate. <sighs> situation yeah situation and also i tangent a little bit or i run on because things run into things of course. Let, let me know if you just want no, to redirect tangent around um so you so i just want to be very clear you got brought in to find the space no the space was already found sorry the space was already found and the show was already built so you got brought in to make it happen, to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay oh right. yeah so for me um everything was already kind of selected right down to how this budget was going to kind of come about and what this was going to look like right. My job was to consider all of the things that no one thinks about mm -hmm. in between and then fill in all of those gaps and then mediate between the creatives and the sort of constructions, right. um, you know, trying to keep both space mm -hmm. and creatives needs at sort of both halves of that and then represent Luminato, their interests and the conversion of this space as well. So it's kind of, let's talk about like how you got here in your career. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Now this is the one that could take a while. Where, where do you want to start? Um, where did you, did you start in an arts background or experience? Uh, kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, hospitality, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm a lot older than I look. So. Okay. You were, I saw that you were part of Hen House. So that was my bar. Yeah, I yeah, owned yeah. that bar for 
for ooh, about four and a half, five years. I bought it off of Katie and Vanessa, who were friends that I've known for some time and community members, mm -hmm. and uh, they were looking to sell. And I did not want to see it go down. I never intended on being a bar owner. It was a, it was a total accident. It was more like, oh my God, someone's going to cut down this queer tree. I better chain myself to it quickly. <laughs> and that's what I did. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm responsible for watering the whole forest now. Oops, cool, here we go. Um, so from that place, it was kind of like... <clears throat> Uh, it was a hospitality thing. It was a community effort thing, mm -hmm. but it was also driven by the fact that coming out of originally hospitality and nightclubs, uh, large venue nightclubs in like the late nineties and early two thousands in Toronto, sort of like big, mm -hmm. big party days is, uh, how I got into production meets hospitality mm -hmm. and venue management. So wow. big parties for lots and thousands of people's, um, in club lands, throwing DJs with creatives and, you know, multi faceted performance artists and, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. All the weirdest stuff you could imagine. Um, it's all not dreamed. really around anymore, is it? No, it doesn't really exist. And money is a big part of that. And venue is another big part of that. What kind of spaces do we have for that? Mm -hmm. um, and companies aren't throwing cash at the same kind of way they were back in the late 90s, early right. 2000s. Uh, to do that type of production, to pay the artist. Because, hey, that's the thing here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know this uh, podcast has a, has a, a name that <laughs> says that we are all sorely fighting in this good fight together, but, like, the hustle is real. Mm -hmm. And yes. getting paid is a thing. And over the years, that's getting harder and harder to get money to do the job and to pay the people that really are the ones that are the people you're coming to see. Mm -hmm. The creatives, the band, the dancers, the show, the whatever it is. Right. It's weird that there's a disconnect yeah. from yeah. people paying tickets and people getting money. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people that consume art assume that all of the money they're spending on tickets is going to the artists. Mm -hmm. And there's they don't understand where it's actually going. Yeah. I'd even hazard to guess that a lot of people in arts organizations within certain tiers of those same organizations don't understand that production requires money and that artists require their fees too. Right. But if you can't have one, you still can't have it without the other. It's a catch-22. Yeah. Right. You know, and that those things have to be looked at as a total whole, and it's a package. Like, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, both the patrons coming to see things need to understand that. And I think that the art, like the arts organizations and some of the theater and venue organizations, uh, need bookers, all of these people maybe need to understand that too. You know, mm -hmm. like, I think it's, it's certainly a, a disparate sort of place. I don't really know what's happened there and why people see them yeah. as being separate. I don't, you know, like, it's cool. I can go see the like the coolest, hottest band. They cost you know a hundred thousand dollars. But if I don't have the fifty thousand dollars to build the show that they need okay. to be the coolest, hottest band, the whole thing makes no sense. Exactly. Right. And it's going to make them look like crap. We're going to look stupid. Mm -hmm. The band's going to never work with us again because we couldn't provide them for with what they needed and asked for. Right. And in that circumstance, we should have never booked them if we could have never afforded it. Right. So many people end up in that circumstance and they don't have what that band needs. They struggle to make it happen. The ticket price goes up, but no one sees the real value of the show that you should have gotten if you just knew the ticket price was 55 bucks and somebody did the math ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I'm usually here to try to figure that out beforehand so that we don't get into a situation at three weeks out being like, all right, now what are we doing? Now, this isn't Luminata specific. This is I've worked for so many festivals right, and so many different organizations. So it's kind of like sometimes that's it seems like an afterthought again, much mm -hmm. like that accessibility thing. And right. It's just like. 
we're slapping out cash now to solve problems. We could have just talked about this and we could have allocated for that and we could have aimed towards that should right. have us. Uh, we all sat down together and came up with a collaborative response. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the place I have to work from. Everything I do is in collaboration because everything I do is constantly shifting and moving. So, like, I can't get anything done without everybody. No. You just and... answered the next question I had. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. I was going to ask how important collaboration is to you. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. Yeah, collaboration is key. I think that anybody who can't work collaboratively is... Um, Seriously missing an opportunity to work the way I think the whole world needs to work. Mm -hmm. I think the idea of corporate values and hard skills versus soft skills, you know, and I'm going to say that in a way because it sounds that's exactly how the industry puts those values on those things. But like collaboration. Can you give examples of both of those things? Mm -hmm. Hard skills and tough skills? Well, again, trades and training. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. oh, so I have access to get things that give me important alphabet soup behind my name or some piece of paper that says, I'm better at this than you are. That's privilege in many ways. Hard skills come with privilege. Access Mm -hmm. to money, access to economics. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is is how hard skills are given to you. Or you work for them Mm -hmm. or you buy them. It's, you put your time in sitting in this classroom. Now you have this hard skill. You're amazing at this thing, you know, right. and I'm talking about the broadest terms. Yes. Things like in soft skills, collaboration, um, one of those things, communication. I can't believe that communication isn't really considered a hard skill. It's still considered fairly soft, unless you have a communications degree, but then that's a whole other conversation, right? So then it's like... <laughs> Doesn't mean you can communicate, but you can have a communications degree. And that's a hard skill you can put on your resume and take places. But because I can communicate with you, doesn't really get me anywhere on paper. So soft skills are shit on resumes. I look like garbage on paper for a good handful of years because there wasn't enough connect the dots in the hard skills or right. degrees right. to fill in those There wasn't gaps. enough like real things. I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Air right quotes. Down. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, We're yeah. on a podcast. I got to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes. Um, yeah. There wasn't yeah. enough like titles or. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a long crawl to the top. Right. And that's sort of, I don't even know. This is a long crawl to some sort of middle rickety 20 foot ladder that I'm fully aware is tote safe, but like don't really want anybody to see it. And I'll be perched on top looking over your fence for a little while. Like that's where I feel like I'm at right now. You know, um, I, I feel like it's just so underestimated, but these are the skills that I think are going to change the way we all work. And people are learning that this is how we have to work. And right. the dinosaurs who don't have, look, I can get hard skills if I had money, time and privilege. Mm-hmm. I can obtain those. You can't buy soft skills. They're learned. Mm -hmm. And people are going to get left behind. And they're learned from experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're unwilling to collaborate or listen Mm -hmm. or communicate... You go to admit you're wrong. Oh, my gosh, right? That's a whole other can of worms. But it all comes down to those things. And if you can't learn those things or you can't adapt... And you're not willing to adapt. That's why I say, you know, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a whole bunch of bras in, you know, corporate town that are going to hopefully wake up, realize, figure it out, or get left behind. Mm-hmm. Bye. Like, it's like, that's where I'm at. Bye, Felicia. You know, it's like out the window. Like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, that's what I feel like is going to happen. And I also think it needs to happen. Collaboration also means that we're striving towards something that in corporate business isn't really looked at from a perspective. Um, win-wins. 
right? Hmm. I want a win-win. That's the right. outcome I want. Anybody who's out for anything else means you're probably not collaborating and you're not willing to do any of the things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a win for you. And if you're winning and you aren't helping or collaborating, it's likely a loss for someone else mm-hmm. or the individuals in which you're working with or the corporation or the whatever it is, the community Right. in all steps of that. Does a win-win require more work? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that necessarily costly? No. It's just a matter of can you put these types of soft-skilled people in a room who do also have some hard skills and all steer this together and figure out collaboratively how do we do this so that everybody gets a win? Right. Right. Did this meeting take two hours longer? Sure. Hmm. Did that cost us 100000 No. Come on, guys. Like, we can do this. Yeah. Nobody has a man-baby temper and storms out of the room because they can't handle it. And yeah, that's happened many, 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 many times. Right. Trying to come up with wins for all of us. Mm-hmm. How do you handle those types of situations when that happens, when there is a man-baby temper tantrum happening? Let them have it, because they just look silly. And if you don't feed into it, they just look even sillier. And if they storm out of a room, it's unprofessional. I don't right. care who you are, it's it unprofessional. It looks bad on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And if I play into that, because that's what I think a lot of, you know, this is about power, right? I'm walking out of this meeting. Okay, great. Then Nothing's just... going to happen without me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I'm not going to beg you to stay. Right. We're going to do this, and there's seven or eight other people in this room that are willing to do this. Mm, yeah. We'll send you the minutes to the rest of this meeting. Right. You can get caught up in your own time. Yeah. yeah. Take, Take a care. moment. Mm-hmm. And hey, look, we all have our moments, right? I think there's just ways to say, like, I'm having a moment right now. Yeah. But that also makes you vulnerable. And yeah. Vulnerability is a soft skill, too. too. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of like, if I can't say to somebody, I'm having a day. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah, or a minute or whatever. Yeah, acknowledging what you're coming into the room with and being self-aware enough mm-hmm. to be able to communicate that to people. Mm-hmm. Soft skills. I love that. I have so totally. many soft skills, guys. <laughs> soft person. Queen of soft skills. <laughs> the softest. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're a part of a very special show. Um, the message that's coming across in Monday nights, how is that important to you? I think that the show itself is about community, right? Like this whole piece uh, from the six-man collective who was putting this show together um, and how the show was developed and created was about a game of pickup basketball that a bunch of guys who are gigging actors on Monday nights when the theater's dark, they did this for almost a decade. They got together and they played basketball and they just let it all out. You know, their hopes, their dreams, their wishes, their, their hardships, their tough times, mm-hmm. their good times. And they shared the love of one game and friendship, right, in the sense of community. And they played at the same court down at Harborfront, mm-hmm. just where um, the community center is there off the boardwalk. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of created a sense, I think, for them of camaraderie. And I think that kind of is really a part of what I want to see in my work and mm-hmm. the work I do, which is engaging the community, supporting our community. Like we just cool. talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And like the idea that like sometimes something like a game of pickup basketball or cracking a bottle of wine with your besties, uh, is, is self care, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. idea that you got to get that out. You got to have your trusted ones. And that through that, uh, we can also find time to create when we can get all of our stuff out of the way, you know, like, okay, I've had my big bitch sash now. 
what are you doing? Oh, I've got this cool project. And then stuff starts to spin and you get to have that release, but then that idea that creation can follow that. Mm-hmm. And I find that those types of relationships are super important. If we can all support each other in our own separate little balls and communities, mm-hmm. we can make cool things like this happen, um, like this show, and then show people what this is all about. Because this show also requires, not requires, but some people in the audience have got to get brave and be a part of the team. And they're going to get called up on the court to play. Right. So there's this sense of needing to rely on what we call volunteer mates. Right. Is what the show calls them and how we, we answer to the people joining them on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, to finish a game that we are all playing together, but we are keeping score. Mm-hmm. So everyone's playing against each other, but in a fun way. And it sort of, I think, sets a tone of everyone who comes to this show now is a part of this community. Mm-hmm. You've all touched the ball. You've all stood on the court. And you all get to be a part of something that every single night is different. No two shows can ever be the same. So I think it's kind of an interesting feel as well. that like It's a unique experience, one that you get to see actually happen live, but you are a part of creating it too. Right. And simply by attending, you are a part of that creation or that particular night's show. You know, I think that's really uh, what interests me deeply about this specific project. Although, as I said, I did not create it. I love what it is, and I think it fits really well in a found space mm-hmm. that is not what you expect. And when you walk into it uh, for the full-blown show, um, it is definitely not what you expect. I think there's going to be some real wow values to it uh, when we, we open the doors for everybody on our opening night. Um, I think it, it'll, it'll speak for itself in many ways. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Who is the creator? The Six Men Collective, you said, is the creator behind yes. it. And so will you be there for every single show, making sure everything goes on track? So a part of my job, yeah, is uh, I shift after the project manager mm-hmm. of this show into the site manager. Okay, great. So overall site holding. So kind of like, you know, you're having a house party, I'm your host. Mm-hmm. My house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In many ways, that's what, what sort of venue managing or site managing is, uh, is to ensure that everybody here who's been hired has a task. They know what it is. They're professionals. They're, they're technically proficient in those jobs. They are all the best of what they do. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell them how to do their jobs. I'm here to make sure that everybody has the tools they need in the venue they're in to do their best mm-hmm. and hold it all together and then face the public. Right. So the audience is also something that I have to be a part of. Customer service things, right? Anything that's needed. It actually also comes down to the end of the day where it might be me who's washing the toilets. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's, come, it's, it's literally come to my attention that that might be what is happening. <laughs> it wasn't really thought about. And I was like, right. This uh, might be me. <laughs> pragmatic concerns. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Noted for later. Um, so, um, yeah, that's sorry. what could happen. Yeah. All of that is my responsibility. Right. And you've talked a little bit. You, there, so there's a show happening um, that's for ASL, is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's our uh, descriptive show. Right. And in terms of relaxed performances for people that want to experience that aren't necessarily, that fall under that category, how do you make that work in a show like that? So this show has, um, like all of our shows, fairly good descriptions about what to expect. It right. is not considered um, our relaxed performance. Right. So some shows at Luminato are, are deemed as such okay. and they're billed as such so that you are aware um, that this show on these particular nights or this show in its entirety is a relaxed environment or a relaxed experience for you. Right. This simply says in its very much of its description, this is an interactive show. This is um, 
literally a live game of basketball is how it is described. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that letting people know those things um, ahead of time will help people make better decisions. I think that giving everybody the information up front allows people to make the decisions about what their needs are and what their participation level can be. Because remember, you don't have to play. You don't have to be involved. There is no limitation to anybody with accessibility devices. We're ready to have people in wheelchairs play basketball. It's totally doable. Right. We have no like no barriers to this. So I don't want to tell someone that they can't, but we're going to give them all the information to make that mm-hmm. decision. Um, and a relaxed for performance for people that don't know um, usually means the sound isn't as loud, lights are halfway, you can come and go if you please, um, a little bit more casual and accessible for people that don't necessarily want to sit in a dark theater for two hours. Do you think it's going to be, do you think it would be possible, do you think it's ever going to be possible? Or do you think, I mean, it probably, that's not really the right way to answer that. But to create a show that would be able to incorporate people from all those walks of life. So like people that um, are only um, comfortable in relaxed settings, audience member who don't have a preference, and ASL. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think that to have a show like that happen, um, and I don't want to say it's utopian, but I think what it comes down to is venue. Right. Mm-hmm. You require the amount of space to create the di- like sort of uh, diversity of different spaces to have different 100% all the time well run of show is happening contain spaces, and then I would see it as being a rotation right. of production mm-hmm. throughout yeah. each of those things where the main state or whatever that looks like or where right. the hub of things are happening. You'd be able to be very clear that this particular area now is also relaxed for this portion, but there's still always a a, always, a relaxed zone yeah. that's always programmed, and there is always right, a. Right, right. And it's not to make anything separate, but those two things are right very much different from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So I think, funnily enough, in this space, um, without giving too much uh, of the the secrets away about what the audience journey is going to be, um, you can come and go during this show. There is no intermission cool. because it is so loud. Because people are playing basketball. Because. It literally is a game of basketball at some point. You are allowed to go. We have a locker room area that's kind of like a chill zone. And we also have our front lobby area, which is also removed from the show, and people are free to roam and move about. So there are areas for sort of stepping away from our show Mm -hmm. because it's majorly loud and interactive for everybody. Right. It's just it. basketball's loud. Exactly. Cheering is loud. You know what I mean? People who don't have issues um, or requirements around sort of relaxation or lower volumes, um, they're probably going to want to have a step out at some point in the yeah, show and just be like, Ooh, need a minute. Ooh, I'm having a time. I'm yeah. sweaty. I need some water. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like strangely enough, this space actually is providing some of those things, but we are not announcing ourselves as such. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, how exciting is it for you and this te- the production team right now that what's happening in the NBA oh. and the Raptors it's just like lining up community like when they won on Saturday and it was bananas oh epic epic, epic. right like how well does that just like mesh in and mm-hmm. it's exciting I could not be happier uh, about that personally as I'm a born and raised Toronto oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like I'm, I'm from this city <laughs> Um, and I just feel like that's one of those things where, uh, what a rare treat, you know, to have yeah. the city all like hopped up about something. Like, I don't Basketball. care. Even if it's like, I don't know, it's like TFC soccer. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. But if a whole bunch of humans want to get together 
and like come together for this thing where there's this, we're all here for the same thing. We're yeah. all from different places and we have sure. this big thing to cheer for and care about. Basketball just does that so well. It builds community so well. Yeah, but I think like anything, this city just switches on. It's like, oh, TFC's going to the finals. Everyone's a soccer fan suddenly. But like, I'm not going to judge you because simply, we've got like million plus people in this city that in that one moment are all thinking and forcibly putting their energy into this thing. For me, that's the actual reason I do production Mm, is for that one moment. And it's like, I get this like, tear will pop out of I know it's like in that magic moment where everyone's together the lights are just right the wind's blowing the band is doing this thing and everyone's got that feeling comes over me it's where all the hair stand up on the back of your neck mm-hmm. you've had this in production I'm sure we all have right it's that magic moment and I get that one tear and I'm like oh god it's coming it's coming oh this is that moment oh yes sports even fall into this category for me. So that's what I'm saying. If it's TFC, if it's Raptors, if it's like, you know, anything, I just feel that sense of awe. And like, I'm also the first guy to cry at like a marching band, like in a Canada Day parade or something weird. Or like, oh my God. Yeah. I actually cried at the Labor Day union parade once because this like old union guy came up to me and gave me this pamphlet and was just like, Staying with the solidarity of workers. And I was like, literally, that's what happened. I was like, oh, God, I'm crying now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a feeling, and the city's got this feeling right now, and it's the buzz is on. And I, mm-hmm. I honestly think, like, for us, I was like, this is wild timing, as we were saying. But also, crazily enough, like, you know, we haven't counted it, but actually, since we talked last, five more emails have come in. So we're actually now at six, six if anybody was wondering. Six. Um, I have this like, uh, sneaking suspicion that if we get to game seven, I just have to actually look at the calendar. I thought about this this morning. It will be at the same time as our opening night. Right. (laughs) So we are, that makes eight. Here we go. Um, uh, we are doing our best right now to see if we can make some kind of TV arrangements. Oh, Should we end up in a crossover scenario right. or some kind of circumstance so people don't feel like... They have to choose. Right? That's the big thing. So I'm just looking at the logistics of that today, actually, to see if we can yeah, make that, that happen. A projector and a screen? Yeah, lots of things. I got all of those things. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're sitting at my house, and Luminati's going to have to like, rent them all. Just like, I'll just bring it. <laughs> In all honesty, I did it last week when we were painting the floors, the basketball court, and it was the the game was on, and it was the I was like, we we have to just watch this, and right? Me and the crows, like I'm putting it on a table. It's going over here. Everyone just keep working, but, but it's, on. it's on. I don't want to hear any complaints that you didn't get to see the show, like or the the game tonight. I was like, it's it's not gonna happen. Show, yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I think that we're we're right right on mark for this, and I think it's it's an interesting time, and I think it's an interesting show. Is it unusual and difficult for Luminato to kind of get people to understand this? Yes, because sports and arts are like oil and water in many ways, mm. you know. But in many circumstances, I think the arts are starting to come out of their vacuum, you know, like theater specifically, or each one of the disciplines of art. Mm-hmm. It's trying um, to melt those lines away. Yeah. yeah, the blurring is starting to happen. I, I do most of again the shows I love to do are the ones that blur those lines. Right, where you're not sure what the hell you're seeing, but you love it and mm-hmm. it feels good. Yeah, is that nine now? Okay, we're gonna keep counting. Yes. <laughs> um, when was talking about that like perfect moment for you in production? Do you remember one of those first times for you? Oh my god, first time. Ooh. Or we were like that happened, and you're like. 
I need to do this over and over and over. <laughs> I, I can honestly say, uh, I can, I, there's one that was recent uh, in the last couple of years. So it's not a first, but it was mm-hmm. in a recent one. Um, it was when I was working for Pride. I was curating uh, the South Stage for Pride Toronto, which is the now gone condo. Wow, I can't, everything's a condo. Ugh, Wait, God. at Church and Carlton? That's you got it. Yeah, 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 so that giant yeah. parking lot party that used to happen. So I curated that for the 2016 festival. Um, and production managed it. Um, it was quite a beast, but that show in particular, it was the Friday night of that show and it was uh, alternate queer. It was the programming I had put together, uh, that spoke to sort of the weirdos and the queerdos of Toronto, um, and a local band called Vag Halen, very well known. Um, also strangely enough, that's the couple who used to own the hen house. So uh, okay. well, through this community, um, we had a bunch of really big drag houses here in Toronto come out as well. Mm-hmm. Some JD Sampson from La Tigra uh, was our DJ for later in the night. It was, it was one of those nights where it's literally like so many struggles to get us there. So many people who have worked so hard in their careers to play on a big stage mm-hmm. and to have this stage there and to have literally like the smoke machine and like mm. the right kind of like it was a weird kind of like fog night. We had a wicked thunderstorm that almost like basically could have torn our stage down if the wind had blown just in the wrong direction at the wrong time. It was like, sky's clear, rated sound check, rainbow. I was like, is this? This is crazy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Show went on, and at the end of the night, there was... Basically, it was a bunch of like go-go boys and half-naked drag queens inside a swimming pool full of whipped cream and champagne while they played like, you know, just vicious like classic cock rock, like that kind of thing, but turn on your head because it's a bunch of like hard queer femmes. Yeah. You know, it was pretty wild and it was just like, you know, you got, you know, somebody like J.D. Sampson who's there that's witnessing this too with us and he's about to play and we've got that, as I said, the fog rolling through and the wind just right. It was one of those moments where I honestly was like, I think this is the favorite thing I've ever done in my career. Oh, like, so it was so fun and so wild and that party feels very legendary too because people were like, this was like the hen house, but with like 4,000 people. And I'm like, <laughs> I know it's totally like that. It felt very strange and surreal to be a part of that and have the same people who are all sort of involved in this, like deeply involved in this queer West community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, it's been a decade of this between like the beaver, the Gladstone, the hen house, you know, like all of these people are been my allies, my friends, my support, my safety net, my, you know, like, sort of self-care team and the places you you go and even have been my employers. Like I worked at the Gladstone for five years as a bartender in between when I wasn't sure how I was going to pay checks and rent being how the fuck am I going to survive as an artist or a creative Mm -hmm. or a production person who doesn't look great on paper. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I guess I'm bartending again. I remember when I said that in 2004, I went back to the Gladstone. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason I've gotten to where I am is because of this kind of community and this kind of thing. So right. I don't know. I, I feel like those are the special moments, you know, the ones where you know everyone's here and we work so fucking hard to get here. Right. Totally. I'm going to flip that question on its head. And yeah. were there times where you thought you weren't going to continue? In the industry? Yeah. As a whole? Ooh, yeah. There was, I think, I've had my moments. I think I vacillate. And this was right before 2004. I was kind of like, I saw the money drying up mm-hmm. um, and the difficulty of what people were willing to pay. I was seeing, seeing venues disappear. Things were becoming fairly stagnant creatively, and I was just done. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going bartending again. So this is what led me back into hospitality, but I've never stopped throwing parties. I'm just a party promoter, too. I mean, that's, that's 
who wants a DJ? Let's throw some DJs down. Let's take over a warehouse. That was where I started my mm-hmm. career in the early, uh, sort of late nineties rather. Yeah. You know, that's a part of me that's always been there. So I always want to agitate. I always want to throw parties. <laughs> I always want to take things and not ask for permission, like parks or streets. Right. Um, that's how I started. So for me, I've learned to f- sort of through the years to figure out on a larger scale when and how to ask for permission. But my activist self still says, yeah, there's some gray areas I'm going to fit into when you're not looking, when I'm not working for an arts organization. Right. I think that's such a big part of that community as well, right? Yeah. Making your own space. Yeah. Taking it. Really. Absolutely. Yes. That's that's a paramount part for me too, right? Mm -hmm. Taking it. Mm-hmm. And not asking for permission, especially as someone who is queer, um, I feel like we don't have enough space, so let's not complain about it. When I you know, closed the hen house, that was a matter of gentrification, and I knew it. It mm-hmm. was the condo that popped up next to me. They didn't want to be our friends. That wasn't going to be customers for me. That was just going to be a royal pain in my ass for the next however long we existed here. Mm-hmm. So I pulled the plug on my terms. Right. And people are like, now what? And I'm like, we all have to start taking space. Right. Yeah. Sorry, this is uncomfortable for all of us. It's also uncomfortable for me, but as an artist, I'm stagnant because I'm now the venue. And this venue can only be what this venue is. And I can't take more space while I own a venue because that would just be... A, I think just a little tacky, and mm-hmm. B, not financially really or logically feasible for me to try to handle something else. Right. You know? So I just kind of felt like at some point the expiration date on that was there for me as a creative, and I wanted to push outside of that box, which is why I went into large projects and large festivals mm-hmm. to simply now start to figure out how we can take space, but also ask for permission and work in a collaborative way with like the city, with other different departments, with other large corporations, and sort of instead of begging for money and begging for permission, Mm -hmm. selling the idea that this is important and that if you give to it or you allow this to happen, Mm -hmm. we're all going to win. This goes back to that win-win. So sometimes it takes a lot of work on my end to get people to see the value in what can happen because so many people are afraid of the risk. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and the risk for me is minimal. If you want a dollar amount on the risk, I'll give that to you too. Yeah. Make a choice. Right. <laughs> Just tell me. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> Just communicate. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luminato, you said Luminato brought you in specifically for Monday nights. So who was the connection there? Was it someone from the community as well? So strangely enough, this leads back to the hen house, but this also leads back to about three years ago. So our current artistic director, uh, Naomi Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who's wonderful human being and new in the role of our artistic director mm-hmm. and curator and her programming for this, this year's festival is spectacular. And I think it's a really great direction and I can see that going. I've always respected her, her work, um, but did not have a real personal connection to her. Mm-hmm. I applied to a dis- different job many years ago at Luminato right after I left Pride. Mm-hmm in 2016 and I was not accepted for that job but based on the fact that I owned the hen house and I was a part of the community Naomi had actually been a regular at the hen house and knew a lot of people who I was in contact with and entertained a coffee with me Mm. so we had a coffee Mm -hmm. that was three years ago this kind of accidentally came up Um, her as her new role I had applied to something else that was with inside our production and program department, which I knew was a personal reach for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the paper, whatevers, but I wanted to make a connection again. And I also just said, for the last three years since we last met, this is what I've been doing. Right. And the project list and my actual resume list got a lot larger uh, in festival land. 
And she said, oh, I'm going to connect you with our production manager. If you're interested in doing that, we may, like we've hired our full times for this year. We don't really have a place for that, but there may be some freelance work. Speak to our production manager, Sean. So Sean entertained a coffee with me. Yeah. So it was kind of like, we don't really know what we're doing. We may have this thing. I'm going to meet you, mm-hmm. see where we're at. And it was just sort of left. Um, it was about maybe a month after that coffee. I got a phone call from Luminato saying, I think we have a project that might be suited for you. Would you be interested in having another coffee meeting? Three coffees later, three yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. And then a fourth <laughs> final meeting, uh, with our executives <laughs> right. to ensure that this was, was the right direction or I was the right fit for that. So right. it was, like I said, it was like a three year coffee in the making, but like also without the hen house, I'm not sure I would have ever connected right. yeah, with Naomi, same with the Gladstone and some of the folks that are involved with that through that process. Like it's, it's very much like one touches the other and leads to the other. Mm-hmm. And my whole life has always been a series of the best work I've ever done and the best organizations have always come through this type of um, connection that you're not entirely sure where it's going mm-hmm. or why it's happening, but somewhere along the line it comes back around right. again. Mm-hmm. So you take that meeting. Oh, yeah. I, have I, coffee. I, I take all those meetings. Sometimes my partner is like, a lunch meeting and I was like I don't know where this is leading and she was like did you have like four meetings today I was like well one was for the project I'm doing now one is an entertaining coffee one was with an artist who has some questions about how to get better booked in venues and spaces and if they have any recommendations and if I'll look at their media package you know and I was like and the other one was I don't know but I think I know what this person does but I want to know more so I'm meeting them for a beer at five <laughs> So, like, she's just like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll tell her and be like, what happened? Oh, I'm doing this new thing. And she was like, how did that happen? And I was like, you remember that beer at five I took like two years ago with that guy? Yeah. I was like, turns out that guy actually owns this and I could have never known. And she was like, weird. You know what I mean? So, like, that is literally the, how I have found my best jobs, my best work. Um, and definitely some of the stuff I'm most proud of working on, you know, with the coolest crews. That's so, Yeah. Nothing's coming on Indeed, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great place to ask the question. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Oh, gosh, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> now, in this moment, um, yeah. How Poop. many days till show? Oh, see, I've got to even do the math backwards. Which show? <laughs> I've got a test audience on Friday, and we're not quite there yet. I've got a building inspector coming in to make sure that those risers are good for the test audience. So that's show one, which is technically Friday. We've got an ASL rehearsal on Saturday, um, building everything on Monday. Uh, it's, it's, it's a week. Uh, so technically, we are six days out from our dress. Mm-hmm. From tomorrow, so if I'm considering tomorrow doesn't exist right now because mm-hmm. yes. it's a total total write off um, of installation and heavy machines right. and all kinds of stuff. No, nothing happens tomorrow except for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, six days out, I'm feeling it. I've had in the last 14 days, I have had ooh, let's go with this is a stab in the dark 12, 15 hour days. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a lot. Um, the closer we get to show, the more the pressure cooks, obviously. But that's what I do. This is what to expect. I am currently uh, made of only uh, Cliff and Lara bars. Um, and coffee. And coffee. And co- I was about to say, yeah. yeah. A moderate <laughs> amount of only cold to mediocre temperature coffee. Yes. And potentially pizza. Leftover cold pizza. Yeah. I am in, that's currently what I think I'm made out of. So my insides are currently... Dying. Um, well, I'm currently doing art and making art happen. That's clear. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's 
killing me. But I'd like to say I'd like to have more time in my life or security that allows the kind of relaxation and kind of stuff that I would want. The downtime I would love to have, the space between the gigs, so I don't have to do two festivals at the same damn time, like last week, where I put on Craft Beer and Rib Fest for Young and Dundas Square while we occupied and took the space for the first week. That was 20-hour days. That was just like, that's not even enough. I have to create, like, more hours in a day, you know? But if I did that, I'd just work more, not sleep more. I already know. No, yeah, you... It's the type of person you are. Yes. <laughs> it's not how many hours of the day. It's who you are. Truth. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that would be the, the ideal dream. And then sometimes I think about what does stability really mean? And, like, what does safety really mean? And, like, is a nine-to-five job something that I could ever entertain, even if it was still within the arts? And I recently turned down a job uh, prior to Luminato. I had I made a decision. And I was like, I'm not feeling this nine-to-five no. corporate version of what I do on the logistics planning end, right. as opposed to I am the executor. That's really where I like to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm planning and doing all this stuff, but I can't live in your office. I have to go and I got to do things and I've got to get my hands dirty and I have to solve problems and I have to, I like dealing with the public. I like the sort of sense of the show and feeling of the mm-hmm. show. So many people are like, I don't want to go to the show. It's not happening. And they still do the work on it. Right. So I turn one of those jobs down. Um, because my partner said that might kill me. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know if being an artist is killing me. I think being a like regular nine to fiver might first. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that maybe making a little more money or figuring out how to self care better might be a better way to feel like being an artist is, um, supporting me and allowing me to be everything that I am and can be. I just know that right now, Wow, I need more than granola bars and pizza and cool coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right there <Awesome>. with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. So nice having you on. Can you uh, give us the times for Monday nights? Yes. So um, we have, I'm going to have to pull out a calendar, so bear with me. That is no problem. Because my brain is tired. <laughs> okay, so you can always go to Luminato.com for both tickets and full run performance uh, times and also all the description for what's happening in the show, what to expect. Uh, first show for us is opening night. will be on Saturday, June the 8th at 8 p.m. We are doing our ASL, that's the audience described show, um, or the ASL sort of described show on Sunday, June the 9th, which is a 1 p.m. matinee. And then we are running... From June the 11th through the 15th, that's five days of shows, all at 8 p.m. And then our final show will be on June the 16th at 1 p.m., and that's Father's Day. So we're doing a special Father's Day uh, kind of thing as well. You can check out the tickets and go online to see what kind of discounts we have for uh, for dads and their kids and how we're going to do that. So it's a full nine-day run. Um, we are looking real forward to doing this and hoping that uh, the Raptors are going to take the... Uh, NBA finals at some point right in between. (laughs) Yes. And for those of you that are listening, we also have a discount code for you. If you're looking for a little bit of a cheaper price to go to Luminato's shows. Or want to go see more than one show. Or if you want to go see more than one show. Um, Our discount code is GALPAL15. You enter that when you're buying tickets. And it's available for all the shows except for House of Mirrors and Masquerade. 
Um, but please take advantage of that code. We're very excited that Luminato has decided to help us out and help our listeners out with that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bobby. Oh, this thank you, so great. Yeah. Thank so you fun. for having me. This so was nice a lot of fun to have this chat. Yay. Yes. And thank you guys for listening. Um, if you go follow us on Facebook, go follow us on Instagram, go to our Twitter account. Um, subscribe to us on Spotify, on iTunes, leave a review, rate us, let us know what you think. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you.